You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked on Saints, brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome to all of our first-time listeners, and as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Joining us on today's show is Saints beat writer, one of my favorite writers out there. So excited to have him here. He's back in New Orleans with the Times Picayune, the New Orleans Advocate, Herbie T.O.P. at Herbie T.O.P. on Twitter. Herbie is back on the Saints beat. He was here for a little bit, and then he was spending some time with NFL media, and he's back on that Saints beat again. Herbie is here to talk to us about the Saints draft picks, some rookies, preseason position battles, training camp, how the preseason is going so far, and looking forward to Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. He's going to help us out with all of that and a little bit of lanyap on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Herbie, thank you so much for being here, man. How you doing today? Hey, Ross, you, you sound like a professional going through that introduction, man. <laughs> hey, man, you know, we're trying, man. 252 episodes in, man, I got to have, you know, a little bit of a rhythm, right? <laughs> got it down pat. I, I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, absolutely, homie. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, it, it means a, a lot to have you here. We were talking a little bit before, man. So excited that you're back on the Saints beat. You just couldn't stay away, huh? You know, I, I'm happy to be back on the beat. I, I will say that. It's, it, it's what I am. I, I'm I'm a grinder and... and you're not going to grind anywhere better than an on beat. So that it was, it was perfect for me. That's real. That's real, man. Well, we're so glad to have you and so glad to have you here on the show. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, man. Sort of our lead story for today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Saints draft picks. Well, let's just talk about rookies, but we're going to focus mo- mostly on the five draft picks. Can you give us a little bit of insight onto how each of them have progressed so far through camp in one preseason game? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and here's the thing, though. After the Saints had the draft, I was obviously still with the NFL media, but when, when you think of the Saints going into this draft, they had, they had a solid foundation. So you, there weren't that many holes to fill, with the exception of Max Unger's retirement. So it made perfect sense when they used the second-round draft pick on Eric McCoy. But mm-hmm. you don't have to thrust these guys into a starting role immediately outside of McCoy, although he hasn't been named the starter yet. These, what you're basically looking at are support-type players because, once again, the Saints already had a solid foundation. But when you want to break them down, McCoy is a guy that's probably going to be starting right off the bat. The Saints have not named him officially named him a starter, but the last time this guy lined up with the first-team offense was – well, he didn't line up with the first-team offense, I should say, <laughs> was July the 29th. Right, right. This <laughs> July the 30th. We're talking with eight, nine straight training camp practices. He's lining up with the first-team offense. He started the preseason game, and I think this is his job to lose, quite mm. frankly. The Saints had the idea that they wanted to go into training camp with a three-way rotation, and for the most part, they stayed like that through the first four days. The first <laughs> two days, um, and then uh. it was McCoy, and then all of a sudden, Nick Easton, and then McCoy, and it's been McCoy since then. So it seems like he's living up to, I don't want to say the hype. Let me not call it the hype, but, you know, he's living up to the expectations so far is what it sounds like. I would say he's living up to his draft status. You know, mm. you're a 48-player pick in the draft, and if you're a top 100 guy, you're going to be expected to contribute, like, immediately. 
And it was kind of interesting that they did use a second-round draft pick on McCoy because if you recall, they signed Nick Easton to a four-year deal. Right. So dra- drafting McCoy is, is solidifies that offensive line, but you know this doesn't mean the end of the world for Cameron Tom or Nick Easton because both of them are versatile. They can play center and guard. Because of the fact that Nick Easton, Cameron Tom, and Eric McCoy all have that flexibility and versatility along the offensive line, everybody's going to – it looks like everybody has the opportunity here to find a job. You're absolutely correct because, you know, I'm going to go back to my first time around on the beat. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Saints have had a versatile offensive lineman like Senio Kelamete. Right. Uh, and ever since Kelamete left, you're always looking for the guy who can kick in and kick out and can play all five positions on the offensive line. And so right now you've got a bunch of people, right, who should be able to contribute as necessary. But mm-hmm. I, I really do McCoy. McCoy looks the part out there at center. And, you know, when you start talking about some of these other draft picks, here's the interesting thing, because you've got Elise Mack, the seventh-round draft pick, and Saquon Hanson, who has started turning heads, mm-hmm. but both of them have worked. You know, both of them uh, haven't been out there at practice. Mays ha- uh, Mack hasn't practiced for a couple of weeks now, so it's with an undetermined injury. You know, we're going to the Saints right. here, and, you know, Sean Payton isn't one to really talk about injuries. And, you know, if, if I do catch wind of it, you know, it's like, okay, is this worth putting out there? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I, but I think like I, before we got on the air here, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, well, now he's officially called CJ. Here's, here's what I like about him. And Sean Payton talked about this during the mandatory minicamp. So he also has flexibility because he's not just the safety. There have mm-hmm. been a couple of times at training camp where he has lined up at the nickel cornerback position with the two. So this is, he's a guy who can also contribute. And, you know, there's an old saying in the National Football League, the more you can do, right? You don't yeah. want to be a one-trick pony. And I think with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you've got a guy who can play safety, who can play outside of cornerback, and, and he can play inside at the nickel position. And in the, today's National Football League, you can have, never, ever, ever have enough defensive backs who can play a variety of positions. And he's a guy that I think is probably going to crack the 53. I think Saquon Hanson was well on his way to probably making a good case for the 53, mm-hmm. but you can't miss time. You know, you got to stay right. healthy. Mac right. to me is probably the, um, a practice squad kind of guy because he just missed too much time. Mm-hmm. And the, the last graphic that we haven't talked about, Caden Ellis, he's an interesting guy. You know, the Saints love linebackers, especially um, your young linebackers who can contribute on special teams. And, when you look at the first preseason game, nobody logged more special team snaps than Caden Ellis. And, you know, he's a guy who's also, he's running with the second team defense. He's running with the third team defense out there at training camp. But he's also one of those linebackers that if you're going to make the 53, you got to be a core special teams player. And Caden Ellis told my partner, Amy, Amy Just, you know, he embraces playing out there. Mm. So, and again, it goes back to the more you can do. That's it. That's it. I man, look, I'll tell you now, I'm a big fan of Caden Ellis. We had him here on the podcast as well. He's just somebody that lights up a room. He's just so excited and just so grateful to be in the position that he's in. And you love that from an attitude perspective. But seeing him translate it out onto the field is exciting too. And especially seeing him get all those snaps as a special teamer. When they get that playing time, they got to take advantage of the reps. And I think Caden Ellis is certainly doing that. Absolutely. It's all about taking advantage of reps in the preseason. So coming up next, we're going to be chatting with you about 
position battles, all the nice, fun camp battles and things that Saints fans absolutely love. Saints fans care so much that they know, you know, who's going to be that tight end three, who's going to be that defensive end three, who's that running back three. Want to know all about that. So that's what we're going to be talking about up here next. But real quick, for all you fantasy football players out out there, make sure that you listen to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. He doesn't, don't make, don't be out there listening to all of the same stuff as everybody else because then you're going to play the same. Get the edge with Vinny to help you stay ahead on draft day and throughout the rest of the season that's the locked on fantasy football podcast on your favorite podcast provider all right here that nation we are joined here by herbie tlp at herbie tlp on twitter herbie is the saints beat writer for the times picayune the new orleans advocate he's joining us for today's show we just finished talking about rookies draft picks now we're going to jump into position battles we're just talking about how important it is to get those snaps and log those log that time or that time on task as drew Brees would call it so let's start jumping into these position battles you know the big one that everybody's talking about aside from starting center but we kind of touched on that a little bit is the wide receiver battle we've seen some recent changes in that that battle just in terms of the personnel that's available Rashard Matthews retiring and so that really opens the door for depending on if the Saints keep five or six of these guys for one of these young guys to really sneak onto the roster so there's a lot of names in this group but are there any in particular that are standing out to you so far throughout training camp and that first preseason game <laughs> you cannot talk about which wide receivers are standing out to me or even any of the reports that are out there without mentioning Emmanuel Butler. Right. <laughs> look, look here's, here's the deal with Emmanuel Butler, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's finally healthy because we got to see what he does in the game. But mm-hmm. you could not go the first four days of training camp without this kid making one or two head-turning plays. Man. It was it was pretty unique because Sean Payton usually is, is very um, reserved when it comes to uh, offering compliments, especially on a rookie. Mm-hmm. And I remember that first day. I asked him point blank. I was like, look, you know, Emmanuel Butler out here, he, he's making some plays. And Sean Payton looked at me and he says, you're right. And he's a guy that we've noticed. And so wow. when you hear that from, from Sean Payton on the first day of camp, and because it was like a carryover from the organized team activities, your OTAs and your mandatory mini camp, apparently you were turning heads there too. Uh, I wouldn't know that because, you know, obviously I was still with the NFL at the time, but just mm-hmm. from talking to people who were on the beat, they were like, yeah, he's, He's an interesting guy, but I'm glad he's healthy because he's certainly going to be in the mix. The other guys, and you hit the nail on the head, it's really going to depend on how many wide receivers the Saints keep. I believe they kept six last year. You know, we already know Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn's are virtual locks, and it's, it is a wide-open battle behind them. Traquan Smith, hey, very interesting guy. He's coming on. Keith Kirkwood, he's missed a lot of practice time right. with an unknown injury. Uh, but, you know, he's probably close. He's, I would like to think he's close. To, to returning soon. And then you've got Austin Carr, who's been on the uh, active roster the last two years. The list goes on. Simi Cobbs has turned heads right. out there. <laughs> there's, there's so many wide receivers. And, of course, little, little Jordan Humphreys. Everybody wanted to talk about him after um, that, that freaking stiff arm that he had in the preseason. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad he did that because there, he's been a little inconsistent in, in some of the camp practices. And one camp practice in certainly stood out where he dropped two passes and a right. lot of us in the media were, you know, we turned our heads. He just like, man, you can't do that if you want to make this team. The other intriguing guys are Cyril Grayson, the, the track star who's got nothing but speed. Mm-hmm. And one guy that I think that the Saints are really going to take a really hard look at is the returner slash wide receiver Deontay Harris. Because when you start keeping five or more wide receivers on a roster, your fourth, fifth, and sixth guy have to be able to contribute on special teams. Mm-hmm. 
Deontay Harris showed in that first preseason game that it's something that the Saints have been missing these last few years is is a, an explosive return game. Yeah, I think if Deontay Harris, and you know, goes back to what we were mentioning earlier, if you take advantage of these repetitions in training camp and preseason, and you continue to build on what you what you started in, in that first preseason game. He's going to make a solid case, man. So when it comes to Emmanuel Butler and Lil Jordan Humphrey, you've got one guy that stood out in camp but hasn't been able to perform yet because of an injury, hasn't been able to perform yet under the lights. And then meanwhile, you've got another guy in Lil Jordan Humphrey that has performed not so great in camp but then looked great in a game. So out of those two situations, without really talking about who's going to make the 53-man roster, just out of those two situations, which one kind of gets the edge for you? I'm going to go with Butler. Mm. I'm going to go with Butler because the chemistry that he has with Brees. Uh, you know, little Jordan Humphrey caught that touchdown pass with, I believe it was either, I think it was Taysom Hill. That Taysom that Hill, game. yeah. Yeah, so it was a little late in the game when that happened. So you're going up against roughly the other team's backups. Whereas early in camp, Butler was getting some snaps with the ones. Right, true. And remember, Michael Thomas held out the first week of training camp. Mm-hmm. So he finally got that in, but during his absence, other guys were able to step up. This is when Keith Kirkwood got off to a good, strong start to camp. Traquan Smith got off to a nice little start to camp. Jimmy Cobb was getting some first-team reps. But Emmanuel Butler was also sneaking in there and getting first-team reps. And when, when you're able to work with Drew Brees, and if Brees likes you, because Brees also raved about Emmanuel Butler. <laughs> I think the hype train on Emmanuel Butler, and you know, of course, we 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 want to be careful when we temper, you know, when we when we're enthusiastic about a player, especially in camp. Right. We always want to temper enthusiasm because you always worry is that really going to translate into game action? Which is why I'm I'm really really curious to see what he does in this second preseason game. You know, Drew Brees might not sniff the field again, but if he gets in there with Teddy Bridgewater, who has looked very good in camp with some of his deep throws. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see what he does. All right, so let's keep with the offense here, but let's move to another position. Uh, the running back three battle feels like, to me, that's pretty much come down to Dwayne Washington and Divine Azigbo. Is there any kind of uh, a look that you can give us about maybe who's ahead in that battle? I mean, you know, we talked about being able to contribute on more than one place, and Dwayne Washington definitely feels like that kind of guy. Yeah, and here's, here's the key thing with, with the running back position, because I think if we learned anything from last year, mm-hmm. last summer, this, this is where we got to, like, Maybe the, the team's number three running back isn't even on the roster yet. Think about this. If you recall last year, it was all about Jonathan Williams, Boston Scott, and Mike uh, Gisley. Right. And then all and Terrence West. Can not forget about Terrence West? Yep. And then when the final roster cuts came, all those four were gone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they they signed people. Um, you know, they signed people off the streets after the final roster cut because that that could happen again. With Rodgers and Williams, what you have here is a versatile, a versatile type of running back. Uh, Williams can also contribute on special teams. Rodgers can also contribute on special teams. But more importantly, they're also they can fit the Joker role that Alvin that that Peyton loves to use. Alvin Kamara, you know, the, the, the do it all running back where you you split them out wide, you split them in the slot, and, and that's what Rodgers and Williams can do with given what they've done with other teams in the National Football League. Man, yeah, that's another one that's going to be real exciting to continue to watch. And I mean, that idea of that guy not even being on the roster yet just gives you something to really pay attention to as we move forward throughout roster cuts uh, at the end of the month. Yeah, think about this, Ross. How many of us were stunned? Because I, I was with the NFL at the time. And I remember when they cut Jonathan Williams and Boston Scott, I was like, 
what the heck? Yeah, yeah, especially Boston Scott, because everybody was in love with him, and he looked great. Yeah, yeah, it it, it all comes down to, you know, what we think and what we like, more often than not, doesn't coincide with the same coaching staff. Right, right, yeah, very true, very true, man. That'll be an interesting one to watch. All right, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. You know, defensive end three is a little bit of a position that people have been really concerned, or not concerned about, but they have been paying a lot of attention to. That sort of rotational guy alongside uh, Marcus Davenport that may also see some time in rotation with Cam Jordan when he needs a breather. Uh, so who kind of is that guy that's leading that pack right now? we got a couple of different names out there, but uh, is there anybody in particular that's been standing out so far? The person that's standing out to me in training camp is Trey Henderson. Mm-hmm. You know, is this finally the year? He's entering his third year. They drafted him a couple of seasons ago, and one way or another, you know, he's mixed up with injuries or he's just not utilized as much. But I think, like during training camp, he, the lights going off in this guy. He, you, there's not a training camp practice if you don't watch the ball. If you know what I mean, like most people when they're watching mm-hmm. the practice, they're drawn to the ball. Focus on the player, and every time I look up. Hendrickson's in the backfield. You know, he, he's, he's a disruptive force. He's also feisty. You know, he's, he's had two chance corners already. <laughs> right, yeah, four in <laughs> three years. He's, he's doing good. <laughs> I think when you're looking at who's the third rotational guy, his name has to come up. Other people I also like, uh, Gino Grissom, mm. number 99. You know, mm-hmm. once again, if you're out there at training camp, don't watch the ball. Watch the play. And I think Grissom, you know, he's a veteran. I asked Coach Payton about him the other day, and then Coach Payton, you know, he kind of like complimented him too. And he said, hey, these next couple of weeks are going to be very important for Grissom as well as some of the other players who are fighting for roster spots on the defensive line. The other guy I also like, and he's a guy that, you know, to watch the rest of the preseason action is is their undrafted rookie out of USC, Porter Gustin. Man, I like him. Yeah, they've made the switch. He's no longer a linebacker. He is now working out exclusively with the defensive ends and – when I asked Ryan Nielsen about him, Nielsen, Nielsen couldn't stop raving about the guy. He's motor. <laughs> you know, and forget about how he wears his shorts. Forget about how he plays his, <laughs> his The guy is a football player. You know, it, it's easy to forget that he was hurt last year at USC. I think it was an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, yeah, he finished his college career with 21 and a half sacks. You don't do that if you're not a ball player. Right. So, you know, he's making that transition from outside linebacker to a 4-3 defensive end. But I think, you know, he looks to part two. Yeah. Maybe put on a few more pounds, but he, he, he got a motor. Absolutely. All right. So coming up next, we're going to take a look at the preseason matchup on the way this Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Touch a little bit on joint practices as well and how important they are. And then we'll get into a little bit of that land yet for you. But real quick, I need to tell you about the new Locked On NFL because it is on fire right now. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL podcasts in the country with the expert analysis from former NFL Scott Matt Williamson, hosted by Brian Peacock. The Locked On NFL podcast is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt unique take on the game make sure that you follow and listen to and subscribe to the locked on nfl podcast on your favorite podcast provider all right family we are joined by herbie tiopi of the times picky un the new orleans advocate he is on the beat over there you can follow him on twitter at herbie tiopi uh look herbie we've talked now about the drafted rookies we've talked about the uh the position battles now let's look ahead look forward to the preseason here they're about to jump into since they're on a, a day off and then a travel day then they jump into practice joint practices with the los angeles chargers before they get into their game how important is this partnership 
become between the Saints and Chargers? This is now what their third year in a row doing joint practices, I believe. I would say it's pretty important if you're practicing three straight years. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, if anything, it gives them an opportunity. Last week, they finally had an opportunity to hit someone else outside right. of their team. This time, they get to practice against someone else. And let's face it, the Chargers are one of the NFL's better teams. So if, if you want to get right. good, why not go against another good team? You know, it's not like they're practicing against, let's say, can't say the Cleveland Browns anymore. I know. that. I don't, dude, think, I, yeah. I don't even know how to make the joke anymore. Like, what team do we even use now? <laughs> the Dolphins, maybe? I don't even know. Yeah, I'm actually having, you know, I have a brain cramp right now because it's not like you can't pick the Browns anymore. Right. But, you know, <laughs> if you want to figure out how good you are, you go against another good team in practice. One against ones, two against twos, and it's a good measuring stick. And I think, if anything, it also gives them a chance to break the monotony of practicing every day out there in, in the sweltering heat right. <laughs> in Metro Louisiana. Now you get to now you're in California with that nice ocean breeze, and it's a good chance to get away. Sorry, of all these guys that we've talked about so far, and then of course all of the others. I mean, we're talking about a 90 man roster here for both of these teams. But is there anybody in particular that you're looking forward to seeing in this game? <laughs> I'm going to dive deep here, and I'm going to stay away from Emmanuel Butler. <laughs> <laughs> We were pretty raised about Emmanuel Butler. Right, okay? we got him, we got him. <laughs> I think it's important for preseason games. We're, we mentioned earlier that, you know, this is the time to really lock on backups. And I know there's four players that, that have kind of caught my eye over the last couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start on defense here. Number 38, Terrell Williams, mm-hmm. defensive back. He's a tall, raised guy. He's yeah. about foot four, 212 pounds. But he's caught my attention out there because of his ability to be around the ball. And the the defensive cornerback position for the Saints, too, is going to be very interesting. How many are they going to keep? Right. You know, it's so easy to to forget that Ken Crawley started 13 games two seasons ago, and he may not even make the roster this year. That's that's just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Because you got to have good players. But, you know, if they're going to look at someone really hard, I, I think number 38 certainly warrants it. On offense, I think when you look at the top two tight ends, because the Saints traditionally only carry three. Mm-hmm. So I think the top two, obviously, are going to be Jared Cook and Josh Hill. You know, yeah. Josh Hill just recently signed a three-year contract extension uh, back in late December. So he's mm-hmm. locked in for three, four years. We know we know they love them some Jared Cook. But the number <laughs> three spot is going to be very interesting. Mac, Elise Mack losing all that time is going to hurt him. Right. But I feel like they just recently signed A.J. Derby. Derby has all of a sudden, just shortly after his signing, is now running with the second-team offense. And to Ooh. me, that was kind of a catcher. I was like, whoa. Yeah. As you're running with the twos. And of course, you know, they still have Dan Arnold returning and Garrett Griffin returning. But A.J. Derby coming out of Arkansas when he was, you know, when he was in college, he had a good college career. I, you know, he entered the pros. I know the Denver Broncos, his last team, they had high hopes for him, but he got hurt. And, you know, of course, you can raise your eyebrows in July and August. If a player is a free agent and they're signing in August, you know, there's, there's probably a reason why. Sometimes it's all about talent and opportunity. The kid's mm-hmm. got talent. Now he has an opportunity to make a splash. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching him close. On the offensive line, Derek Kelly, number 68 for the guys who are out there watching the jerseys. He yeah, yeah. starting to surprise, too, because uh, these last couple of practices, he was running with the twos. So he's, he's interested. 
Man, yeah. I, I, Derek Kelly is somebody who I feel like never really gets talked about a lot, but he does have, he does have some versatility to him. He's played uh, in several different places along the offensive line. And so he's somebody that brings that portion of the game. They, that's exactly what they liked in Ethan Greenidge as well, who's able to move to either side of the, uh, of the line. And so being able to hear that Derek Kelly has leapt up into that second, that second team is really interesting. And this goes back to the numbers game. How many offensive linemen are the Saints going to keep? Because, you know, obviously you know your top six. Right. And I think last year they kept eight. But I do recall one game last year. I cannot remember which game it was off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was the Bengals game where they lost. You know, one of the offensive linemen was inactive. So they entered the game with seven offensive linemen. Two um, two got hurt, and then they were down to five. <laughs> right, like, yeah. And I remember somebody asked Sean Payton, what were you going to do if, if somebody – if you lost another offensive lineman, he joked, I was probably going to put Taysom Hill that's, in there. That's exactly right. The offensive line battle is going to be very interesting. And, and so for people who watch the practices, I would implore them, don't watch the ball. What, what, pick players and then watch them and see what they're doing, where they're lining up. That's, that's essential. And especially which unit are they lining up with. That's great advice. That's great advice. And you can use that advice, too, when you're watching the game, too. Don't just watch the ball. Go ahead and take a look at the players that you want to see and how are they performing? Because sometimes where that ball goes isn't where the play gets affected. And so it's always really, really, yeah, it's always interesting and, and, and most informative to just keep your eye on the guys that you want. That's why I watch these games three, four times, six, seven times <laughs> every time. I make sure I get a pass at everybody. Well, think about it this way. Behind every big run, somebody got pancaked at the line of scrimmage. Right. Or behind your Behind every big run, somebody threw a fantastic steel block, mm-hmm. which is why like that line play is so, so underrated. I remember I did a, an in-depth piece of story on him last year. You, you give the fullback some love because oh yeah, it, it seemed like virtually every Alvin Kamara big run or even Mark Ingram big run, it was it was Zach Lyon leading the way, and he was sealing off that linebacker. So that, that those are things you got to look at. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Herbie, let's go ahead and jump into some of the fun questions here. So we know who we're looking forward to seeing on Sunday. So this is a question I always ask all of our guests, and it's one of my favorite questions. I love hearing the answers to these and the reasoning. So, you know, you're familiar with New Orleans. You've been around enough. You already know cuisine. The food is amazing. You got a lot of options out there. Po' boys, jambalaya, pralines, beignets, so on and so forth. So of all of the New Orleans cuisine that's out there, which one are you and why? All right, I'm going to go ahead and say this now, and I'm sure a lot of New Orleanians are going to like throw stuff at me right now. I'm going to say point blank, beignets are overrated. Oh, <laughs> no, he's coming with the heat. <laughs> I'm going to say they're it's all it is is flour with sugar tossed on it. I'm uh, sorry. De- delicious flour with delicious sugar tossed on it, homie. Come on now. <laughs> of course you got to try. You know, it's a New Orleans staple. But you're like, for me, I'm like, yeah, nah, I can come up with something better than that. But I think <laughs> if I had one cuisine, I remember um, I ate at Moolah's uh, mm, down mm. in the Central Business District. And, and, you know, people were telling me it was like one of New Orleans' top Cajun restaurants. And I was like, okay, I have to try it. So this is like within my first week there. Uh-huh. And I've I've never had alligator before. Oh, I love it. It's so good, dude. So if I had to pick one cuisine that represents me, it would be alligator because it's, it, it looks tough on the outside, but it tastes like chicken. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not saying I look tough on the outside and I taste like chicken, but I'm just saying 
I was pleasantly surprised with it. Hey, man, look, uh, uh, you know, 20, 20, what is it, 20 year vet with the U.S. Army, man? Yeah, of course you look tough on the outside. <laughs> Former drill sergeant, baby. Former drill sergeant. That's too. what I'm talking about. Thank you for your service, man. Oh, man. All right. So let's jump into real quick just this last question. You made this, this return to New Orleans to the advocate and everything. And we're all so excited to have you back here. What is it that people can expect from you and Amy just over there at the advocate, what you got coming up throughout the season for everybody. Sure, and I, I want to say, I want to say this because I meant to say it earlier. Oh, please. I've got some, I'm following in some big shoots and mm. I know a lot of people love Nick Underhill and rightfully so. Nick, uh, I consider Nick a good friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously I competed against him when I was at the times picking you. And, and one of the things I loved about Nick was, he didn't see the game as a writer. He saw the game as a scout. Mm. I really firmly believe that. And I used to always tell Nick, like, man, why aren't you on an NFL personnel department? Because that, that's the way he sees the game. So I know I'm following in some big footsteps, and I hope, you know, people will, will, will learn to appreciate me as much as they appreciated Nick. But I do know I have some big shoes to fill. And that's what I wanted to say first off. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what Amy and I have coming up, obviously we have the – the big regular season preview coming up here. And I don't want to give my stories away, but I will say that I don't, I don't think people will be disappointed uh, when they read this section, <laughs> when they read what we have. I love that, man. All right, dude. Uh, thank you so much for everything, man. Why don't you tell the people where they can follow you, where they, where they can find your work and everything. And uh, well, I hope to have you back on here at some point soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. You can always find my work at NOLA.com. And you can also follow me at Twitter at Herbie T-O-P. T-O-P is spelled T-E-O-P-E. Thank you so much for coming through, Herbie, man. I appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again with you. Yeah, no problem at all, Ross. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for today's episode. Through the rest of the week, I'm just going to be keeping you up to date with everything you need to know from these Chargers joint practices and getting you ready for Sunday's game, the second preseason game for the Saints. A big thank you to Herbie Teope for joining us today. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Herbie Teope. That's T-E-O-P-E. And of course, a big thank you to you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show and of course be sure to subscribe if you have not already and go ahead and drop that five star rating and review thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family this has been locked on saints and trust you that nation i'll holla at you